Greetings and welcome to Flanagan's Ecologic. I am your host, Ted Flanagan, and today we're joined by Rod Matthews. He's the co-founder and CEO of Brevian Energy out of Vista, California, that's Northern San Diego County, and they're commercial microgrid suppliers. Hey, Rod, welcome to the podcast. Great to see you. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate you having me today. How are you today, anyway? I'm good. You know, we're finally starting to get a little bit of sunshine down here in San Diego. Uh, I thought we were living in Seattle, but even today is a little bit gloomy, but I I'll take it. Hard to say, hard to hard to hear a Southern California complaining about getting too much rain, but I know. I've, heard, I've heard that recently. We've had, we've had a lot. Well, tell me, you're a, you're the co-founder of the CEO of Brevian Energy, which I want to talk about quite a bit, but I'd like to start out with like, what are you working on today? What, what's hot? What's what's happening? Uh, well, right now we are looking into some, um, you know, San Diego is the home of small businesses. We don't have a lot of big, you know, Fortune 500 companies down here. So we have a lot of small companies, which means we have a lot of like multi-tenant business parks uh, that have, you know, buildings with, you know, multiple uh, tenants in them. And we've been dealing with an issue with our, our local utility company here, which is San Diego Gas and Electric, uh, where they have something called Rule 19. Uh, where, you know, we our plan is to come into one of these buildings and provide a microgrid or, you know, a, a, a power generation system for renewable energy for the whole building. But the problem is they have multiple meters on the buildings right now for each tenant. Uh, but we have one owner of the building who we'd like to provide services for the entire building, which would mean they would have to install a master meter. Uh, but with San Diego Gas and Electric, with their Rule 19 states that you can't sub-meter commercial clients. You can do it with residential clients, but not with commercial clients. It can't be a separate charge to their bill. Um, so right now, we've been working with the property owners to uh, redo the leases uh, with these clients that will make the electricity payments a part of their uh, lease payments. Uh, so that way they qualify for the rule 19 and we can put in a master meter with a microgrid behind the master meter to serve the whole building. Uh, so this really opens up a lot here in San Diego. We're very excited about the progress that we've made on that. So it's been a year in the making, you know, it, it took dealing with a few Congress people and a few other politicians and you know, greasing the wheels, but we finally came to an understanding with SDG and E and we got approval to start these type of projects. So I'm very excited about that. It's basically a workaround, right? You're, you're not, it you're is, not saying, you're not taking all these sub metered parcels and trying to put them into one, which would be, no. which would be ideal for a, for a microgrid or a master solar system. But instead, you're you're taking each one of them and you're amending their leases, right? Right. To the point where we can put in a master meter, uh, the master meter would qualify. Uh, so we put the microgrid behind the master meter, and all the submeters sit behind the master meter. I right? see. So, so everybody we can is, provide. Everybody is so, willing to to do that. That is correct. Yeah, because it's going to cut. It's going to reduce their bill, and it's going to give uh, resiliency to the entire office building, which makes it a much more attractive place to work. Right, right. And so a lot of your time is spent explaining things to people. All the time. I find that, you know, in this business, uh, particularly with the microgrids, that's what we do primarily. Uh, because, you know, most of the time, uh, I would say 85% of the time when I say microgrid, people look at me with a, like a little glazed look on their face, like, what are you talking about? 
So we have to, one, explain what a microgrid is and then really explain to them how they can benefit from them. And then once you put those two pieces together, they are all in because, you know, well, primarily let me, the question, let me ask you the question I was going to ask you last, um, which was, you know, when, when I think of a microgrid, uh, well, let me back up. When I think of a home or a multifamily complex with solar, yeah, you, there's panels up on the roof and you are net metering so that when there's nobody home, uh, their power is going into the grid, we're getting credit. And then we're, in the evening, we're drawing back from the grid. Now, when you add, when I think of a microgrid, I'm thinking that you're adding batteries and controls so that that whole system can island if the master grid goes down. Is that, is that? That's just one aspect of it. But here in San Diego and in other uh, investor-owned utilities here in in, uh, the state, we have uh, what's called time of use. So between four o'clock PM and nine o'clock PM, you could be paying in excess of 55 cents per kilowatt hour because that's peak. You know, they have uh, what's called peak times, off-peak times and super off-peak times. So the peak times are between four o'clock and nine o'clock PM when everybody's home, everybody's doing laundry, everybody's, you know, the, all the kids are home with all the TVs are on. Yeah. You're paying the most for that. So what we do is we uh, deploy what's, what's called lithium phosphate batteries. Uh, and we can assume that load every day because we can cycle those batteries up every day to assume the load. So you don't have to be pulling power from the grid when it's at its most expensive. Right. It's called peak, peak saving. So you're, yeah, your microgrids and the use of these batteries, you've got a real economic play going on, right? Absolutely. Charge, charge at the lowest cost or when the sun is shining, discharge at those super peak, super peak periods. Absolutely. Save every day. And then they are they also wired for resilience? I mean, if the- that, I mean, that's that they're wired for resilience by nature because you're generating your own power. Right. So you even know you're not pulling from the grid. So you don't even know most of the time when the grid is even down. Well, now you're generating your own power. Now, let me ask you about critical loads, because, okay, now you let's just say we've got uh, you've got a facility, a a multifamily Mm -hmm. complex, get solar Mm -hmm. on the roof. You got batteries. uh, You're 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 charging up your batteries. Now, let's just say the grid goes down. How long will those batteries operate Or, or are they are they tied to specific circuits, specific critical loads? Again, we say if you've seen one microgrid, you've seen one microgrid, right? Because that's part of the process, right? What are your critical loads? Uh, how much resilience would you require? I mean, if you're a bakery, um, you know, maybe you have one or two things that need to run for 45 minutes or an hour. But if you are a hospital, it's a totally different uh, mission criticality. So each uh, system or each microgrid is designed to meet that specific customer's need. Right. Now, so that, you, that's, yeah, that's when we go to the interview process. One of the, your client or one of the sectors you work with is multifamily. That's uh, correct. I would argue is the most difficult one to work in. Well, this not multifamily, multi-business tenant. We're oh. looking into some multifamily projects right now, but right now we don't have any of those under contract. Okay. But we're looking at some, the business offices, which are a little bit easier to predict. Right. Right. Interesting. So, Give me a case study of uh, of a Brevian project that you're proud of. Um, we have a, a, a one of our core uh, people that we target are, are nonprofits, and particularly churches that operate schools. Um, so we just our our latest project we had is a Lutheran church uh, that operated a school. Uh, they were paying probably right at fifteen thousand dollars per month on their energy bills. Um, 
right now with their PPA, uh, which is a power purchase agreement they'll sign over 20 years with a predictable escalator, uh, we'll be bringing their bills down to around 9000 per month. <laughs> That's got to be rewarding, right? To be able to help uh, out like that. Very much so. And we love these, the, the nonprofits, because we say every dollar we save can go right back into your programs and your purposes and your causes. Yeah, yeah. So what about, sense. what about you? How did you, let's go, let's go back in your life a little bit. Um, I, I was uh, trying to figure out where you were born and raised. And, and then I found the name of the, I think your high school on LinkedIn and that, that targeted Shreveport, Louisiana. Is that right? Shreveport, Louisiana. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> and, then, and then, and then, and what were you, what did you do as a kid? Were you like me? Were you kicking around playing sports? What was your thing? I play sports and to believe it or not, I was a champion fencer. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Believe That's it or not, I, That's yeah, I was, I was nationally ranked in high school as a fencer no uh, and, and in particularly, you know, with, with the saber was my primary weapon. So, you still have, do you still have a saber in your, uh, in your I just have a kitchen knife. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then, so then you go off to, I think, uh, Car Carbondale, Illinois for, Southern Illinois University, right, for, for college? Yes. Well, actually, I went to the Navy, the University of the United States Navy. Uh, and I actually got my uh, degree while on active duty uh, in the Navy. And what would you give us a little bit about your naval experience? What, what was it? How uh, well, in the how Navy, I was, did you go? I was an electronics technician uh, in the Navy. Uh, took me about two years of schooling. You know, that's really what I wanted to do was I found a job that had the most amount of school to prolong me going on the ship <laughs> for the longest time before I could go. Uh, so I had about two years of school before I ever showed up on the ship and uh, showed up on uh, the USS Abraham Lincoln, which is actually stationed here in San Diego now. But at the time it was being built. Uh, so we, we pre was called pre-commissioned the ship uh, in Virginia. Um, so after being on commission and taking a maiden voyage, uh, bringing the ship around from where it was build, being built in Norfolk uh, to change home ports to Alameda, California, which is where it was stationed at. Uh, then we you know, did two what's called Western Pacific cruises, uh, got a chance to go to, you know, some very awesome places uh, around the world, Hong Kong, uh, Brazil, Chile, um, Dubai before Dubai became what it is right now. Um, so oh, wow. got a chance to, got a chance to experience a lot of that. Um, and, uh, just getting my whole background and, you know, electronics and my love of, of all things tech, I think, uh, started, uh, with my time in the military. Yeah. And it sounds like, and then, and then, I mean, we can kind of fast forward you, cause you had, you had, um, your time in Southern Illinois studying workforce development. And then, and then you, uh, you got some certificates from University of Queensland and MIT. Fascinating, yes. right? But then you went right into, I think, the IT world, right? I did. Uh, uh, first, I worked in partnership uh, with an, another guy. We started what's called Next Solutions, uh, where we uh, did services for small and medium-sized companies. Uh, you know, a lot of the small businesses they didn't have a, uh, the the money to hire a real true IT staff. And so we brought those, you know, Fortune 500 skills and transferred those down to the small SMB level. And it worked pretty well for us uh, for a time. You know, uh, we had a lot of our clients at the time where that was in uh, 06, uh, 07, 
a lot of our clients were in the mortgage space uh, because it grew so fast. So we had a lot of mortgage companies that we we had under contract that we did managed services for. And then once the bubble burst in 08 uh, for the mortgage crisis, a lot of them just went out of business. Uh, so as they went out of business, uh, so did we. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds, like, it sounds like in the IT world, you can shift in, in, Absolutely. Which at, during that time, that's when really the cloud became, you know, more prevalent. Uh, so I kind of shifted my focus into providing like cloud services, uh, virtualization and those kind of things. Um, so and uh, ironically enough, in doing that, uh, that kind of led me to supporting some data centers and really trying to do really doing some consulting with some data centers, uh, which uh, helping them kind of uh, uh, get a uh, better manageability of their energy efficiency, uh, which kind of led me to int being introduced to microgrids. Uh, and I was so ex excited about that. And I saw such a great need for that until, you know, I really started going in that direction. Uh, I have a partner of mine who had uh, 30 plus years as a nuclear operator uh, with the San Onofre power plant. He had a lot of uh, background in public policy. Um, so we just uh, formed a company and uh, brought in some other partners from other other had other solar experience and battery experience. Uh, we built a company and we saw a need and we've been out here trying to facilitate that ever since. And how, and how did you, well, congratulations, a great transition. And when you were, when you were building the company, did you have this commercial sector focus in mind or? Yes, I've always, I've never been a person in my two iterations of other companies that I've worked with or start help, help start. Uh, we've always been B2B. I've never been a person who liked consumer services. So the the B two B space of all has always been something that that I've been drawn to instead so of somebody comes up somebody comes up consumers friend, a friend a friend comes up to you that you know in your neighborhood and says hey can you help me put a solar system on my house I can recommend stuff for them you know I tell them the guys I mean because there is no uh, shortage of uh, companies that are trying to do that here on the consumer side which is why I don't want to be in that it's it's really crowded here in the consumer side. Uh, yeah. Yeah. One, there's a mandate here in California as of 2020 that every new house that gets built has that net zero consumption. So they're going to put solar on everybody's roof. So solar in by itself has been commoditized, even with the now the NIM 3.0 or the net metering 3.0 uh, rules. Uh, they're really uh, disincentivizing solar <laughs> almost. Let me let me get to that net NEM. Okay, no problem. Sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, it's fine. That's fine. We're having a great conversation. But I wanted to get clear on what what Brevian offers. Do you actually have trucks? You actually install, or are you actually, or what? What are this? What's the scope of your service? Because we started off by you talking about, you know, working with these, you know, these projects, these, you know, trying to get, you know. Individual right. metered, you know, released and into sort of master metered to sort of set up for microgrids. Uh, that's a that's a whole development process. And Absolutely, a communication exercise like we talked about. Do you actually roll trucks as well? Yes, we we do. We have we are a developer of these projects. Uh, we actually do the installation. Uh, you know, we do the uh, site evaluation. We analyze your need for power. You know, we perform that analysis over a one year period. To, to understand what we need to build out for you. And, uh, you know, we're called what's called a EPC. We do the engineering the, uh, of the of the solution. We do the procurement of all the assets that need to go into the solution. And we do the construction. We actually build it. So we do all that, all of that. 
And would you be considered, I don't know, the term is really sort of irrelevant, but mid-market then in terms of solar system size, you're you're probably less than 500 kW installs, but... Uh, that's really, I've been our sweet spot has been around that between 300 and 600 kilowatts, um, the things that we've installed, but we are now because of the, uh, CCAs here in San Diego, we have, uh, San Diego community power and, uh, the clean energy Alliance in the North uh, San Diego County area right now, they're actively uh, seeking power purchase agreements, you know, uh, megawatt plus 10 megawatts, 20 megawatts. Uh, So we're looking at, uh, bidding on some of those projects right now. Um, and those would just be utility scale. They wouldn't be utility scale. Wouldn't Correct. be net meter. Well, then in, the, in this market that you talked about, the three hundred to six hundred, uh, you're able to provide PPA financing. You have you have PPA providers that are willing to to uh, finance that size project. Absolutely, and it's great for particularly for the nonprofits because you know they don't have, they don't have the tax liabilities, number one. So they can't really take the tax breaks, but these tax credits are transferable, uh, which is really, you know, poor fuel on these to get these projects done and completed with the Inflation Reduction Act. 100% of your projects now have batteries, solar plus batteries? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we never, we would never do a solar only project. Again, we are a microgrid solution company. We're not a solar company. Right. So solar is just an aspect, is one, uh, is an additional generation asset to go into the microgrid. Yeah, but primarily they're done with solar and battery. But again, we do hydrogen fuel cells. We can do wind turbines, uh, whatever makes sense. Like I say, you've seen one microgrid. You've seen one microgrid because everyone is different. Yeah. Have you done wind turbines? I, I not I, yet. We're yeah. looking for a wind partner. As a matter of fact, we have a, a partner here. Our biggest thing is the wind turbines. We're we're looking for something that's mid size. You know, you have small systems. Yeah. And you have very, very large systems. Right. So we're looking for something that can give us about a 200 uh, kilowatt output that isn't like 100 feet tall. <laughs> we haven't really found that. We found something, some things that are close to that, but we're really actively looking for some assets that we can put. We, I really am a big fan of the vertical. Yeah. Uh, vertical uh, the vertical. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because those can go like in more urbanized areas, I think. Uh, the yeah. ones with, with the big blades, you know, they have to be in, you know, big windswept, you know, valleys or whatever. But I'm I'm really a big proponent of, of the vertical axis uh, wind turbines. So we're looking we're looking for some of those. We have a, a couple of people that we've been talking with. There's actually a company here in San Diego actually has a really nice project, uh, a really nice product that they have. It's a mobile product. It's 100 kilowatts, uh, but it, it's, it, it wouldn't really fit for what we're looking for. And and do you have enough wind regime in in San Diego, or would you be looking? Would you be going out farther out and towards the desert? I know you can go up to Victorville uh, up here where I am. You know, go out towards Vegas. You go up to Victorville. There's wind turbines all over the place. Which oh yeah, yeah. Hey, and even even here in East County, in East San Diego County, you see a lot of uh, deployment because of uh, the terrain that's out there in those areas. Hey, which met- ironically enough. Uh, that makes them susceptible to these public safety power shutoffs in those areas. Right. And that's where a lot of the uh, tribes are located, uh, which that's a, a market we're really trying to target as well, because I, they just out of necessity. Have there, have there been public safety power shutoffs like last summer where there, I know oh, all the time in those out in those areas, not here, you know, yeah. in the city, but in those, uh, areas in those uh, tribal areas out in those canyons uh, that wind picks up that's why they have 
That's why they have turbines out there, wind turbines out there because of that. That's right. That's right. So for for listeners that aren't familiar with our our California lingo, utilities, the investor-owned utilities here in California two or three years ago, maybe three or four years ago, got the right to turn off certain distribution circuits when there's high winds and thus high fire danger because mm-hmm. they had been shown to be responsible for starting some of these wildfires. So, so now you, if you live out in the, in the country, which may be delightful uh, most of the time, uh, you could have your power system shut off for like a week at a time. Uh, Man, it's, it's ridiculous. They, we've seen cases of over five days. Yeah, yeah. And, th- and thus the, the value of what you're doing of bringing in an independent system is, is fantastic. Hey, Absolutely. Let's, let's hit on, let's hit on some more state policy because you mentioned it. And I, I said, let's talk about that later, but uh, we've just been through a, a big, big change in California. I guess April 15th was the last day to apply. If you're putting in a solar system to apply for net energy metering 2.0, which right. is about 85% of the retail value. I, I think mm-hmm. it's fair to say when, when you're, mm-hmm. When you're, like in my home here, if I'm not here and I'm generating too much, you know, I was getting about 85% value for that. And then I draw back from the grid at 100%. Right. Talk about 3.0. The utilities had a huge win. Uh, consumers are up in arms. I guess there's an environmental group with a lawsuit now against, you know, challenging the PUC for this, what was being called solar billing. But talk about how does that affect you and your business and your clients? I mean, for us, it just really strengthens the case of, you know, including the batteries right now if you do it without a battery it's uh, under net 3.0 it doesn't make any sense uh, because you used to be able to if you weren't using the power you can sell it back again for like 85 percent of you know what the retail value was and so there was some value to that but now it's almost opposite it's almost like 15 <laughs> percent. you know what i mean so uh right now it just makes sense instead of trying to sell that back and get credit for it you put that excess power into a battery and use that power uh, during those peak times. So you don't have to draw from the grid at all or, or very minimally. So, uh, so that not, can significantly so not, reduce your bills. So you're not worried about it? Not at all. Yeah, it's just, it just, it strengthens what we, what we already say to do anyway. Right. Yeah, it, now, even on the residential side, primarily, and those are really affecting those residential clients, uh, even more so than the commercial clients. Uh, but now, even on the re- on the residential side, after the net when net three takes effect in full, if you don't include the battery, then you know you're not doing yourself uh, any real service by uh, going solar. That's really interesting that uh, to hear a solar contractor who's just not concerned about it because mm-hmm. your business model is is uh, addresses that. And, and I, absolutely, as, you know, as crazy it is, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the avoided cost calculator. Uh, but what, what's happened now here in California is that when you are exporting to the grid in my house, I'm here, I'm exporting to the grid when nobody's home. I'm, I used to get 85% of the retail value. Now, every single hour of the year uh, is mapped out with a different price. Mm-hmm. And hours of the year is almost zero. And then, mm-hmm. and then oddly, there's a couple of hours in September <laughs> that are like, like two bucks a kilowatt yeah. hour. Which yeah, exactly. Battery, every battery in California is going to be discharged at exactly that moment. We'll probably have an oversupply at that moment. Yes. See, that those are those times in September. That's our, our Indian summer. That's when we really get, you know, our heat wage in this area. That's why they're incentivizing like that. Yeah. Yeah. What's the, So what's the most challenging thing that you're dealing with as a solar microgrid entrepreneur? Education is educating, particularly from the microgrid perspective, is really 
educating the customer on really the benefits they get from it. Because again, most of the time you say microgrid and people get a glaze over look on their face. Like, what is that? Um, So then really having to explain what a microgrid is to them and really kind of explain how they can benefit from it. And once they hear that, and really all it takes is uh, for us to be able to analyze their uh, their usage over a one-year period, we come back uh, and say, hey, we can guarantee you uh, to pay at least a, a third less than what you're paying right now uh, over the next 20 years where you'll have a predictable uh, escalator, then it's really a no-brainer at that point. And, and let's say... I, I, Let's say that you, I'm your customer, or I, I'm I'm the managing a building with multiple uh, commercial tenants in it, uh, and I've got the solar, and I've got the batteries, and I and and it, the batteries are now programmed so that they're going to charge during during when I've got lots of sunshine or charging, mm-hmm. peak, and then they're going to discharge during that peak period. As mm-hmm. we now, let's just say that the utility five years from now, the utility changes its uh, its hours. Uh, it's peak hour, it's peak period, is no longer four to nine, or PG&E, I guess, is five to 10. What if San Diego Gas and Electric changes to five to 10? Do you come back in there and reprogram that battery, or how does that work? We can do all that remotely. Okay. Yeah, and- so we can. We don't even have to come on site to do that, because uh, all of these systems are connected to the internet. Uh, they're always monitored, and uh, updates can be sent to them. Uh, so so it's a- not like... You, your contracts would have, um, you'd have a performance guarantee, I, I would assume, on the solar side, right? So to them, to the end user, all they care about is when they flick the switch, the light comes on, or when they open their refrigerator, you know, they see the little light inside their refrigerator. They don't really care the process it takes for that to happen. So right now, all they do is they flick the switch, the light comes on, and they pay a bill to SDG&E or whatever investor-owned utility. So same experience. Right. It's managed, completely managed by absolutely. Absolutely. Again, when that when that rate change happens, are you are you are you do you have a vested interest in in making sure that they'll be kept up to date as things change over time? Absolutely. We we definitely, uh, you know, will make them aware of policy changes. But if we've designed a system right, it would have no really bearing on them because they'll be generating all their own power anyway. So we don't really care about what the utility is doing. If we if we design the system right, um, there are only a few times during the year where we'd actually have to pull from the grid. Most of those times are like late December, early January, when we have the 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 the, the, the fewest amount of light hours. Other than that, uh, they never even see the grid. Sounds like you're a man on a mission. You've got a, a clear idea of B two B business transactions that you want to. You want to pursue your your deep in this tough tough market segment. You you must be you know pretty lonely in that market segment, which is a great thing if you can figure it out, right? Tell no, me, I, I I feel it. I mean, that's why we've kind of honed in on what we've, we've done. We've branded ourselves as microgrid solution providers. We're not solar guys. Yeah. Uh, again, that market is way too crowded. But you don't hear a lot of people talking about microgrids in particular. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's to our benefit. I'm sure it is. Tell me about you, how you, how do you, how do you keep balance in your life? Just a, a couple of softball questions here before I let you go. You look like, uh, well, you're healthy, you're smiling. What's, what's going on? I'm a huge sports fan. Yeah. Um, I'd say that I love sports. Uh, I'm a huge LeBron James fan, not necessarily the Lakers, but LeBron James. Right. <laughs> um, I have, believe it or not, eight grandkids. Um 
who I love and admire. Uh, I have a wife of 28 years. Um, you know, I'm actively involved in the community, actively involved in my church. Um, so I have a lot of things to keep me balanced. I have uh, four daughters, uh, which can be very humbling. Uh, so I don't have to ever worry about, <laughs> I don't have to ever worry about my uh, getting a big head or being cocky because I'm constantly, constantly reminded that uh, I'm just, I'm just that guy who pays the bills. <laughs> I love it. Hey, it's been great talking to you. It's been wonderful too, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. All the best. Thanks for being on the, on the show. Take care. That's it. Thanks for listening to Flanagan's Ecologic. We'll see you next time.